We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-hosts, both of them, Andrew Mertig and Maggie Loney. We are excited you guys are back for another week. Um, How are you guys doing? Uh, pretty good. It's week two with the trifecta and we're two weeks away from the draft. That's pretty balanced two weeks, which is like super incredible and kind of hard to believe at this point. Yeah. Today we get to talk about one of my favorite position groups. So I'm pretty happy and I'm more or less just happy and excited that you two brought me back for another episode. Andrew, did you invite her back? (laughs) I did not No, but this is like an audition kind of. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I don't remember inviting her back. She just this is a second up interview. <laughs> oh, no, for sure. Absolutely. We're really excited <laughs> that everybody's back. And uh, it's this has been a lot of fun. And so we'll do it again. Um, we expect nothing but more of the same awesomeness from the three of us this week. Because today is all about the defensive line. As Maggie mentioned, this is one of our favorite position groups. And defensive line is kind of a sneaky need for the Packers. Obviously, Green Bay hopes to get a long-term deal done with Kenny Clark, probably sooner than later. And that will be a massive deal that reflects 
the on-the-field impact that Clark has shown for sure. Uh, but then after Clark, there's a bit of a drop-off. Green Bay has Dean Lowry, who's good, but not a great player. I think a lot of people would agree. Uh, they've got a second-year player in Kingsley Kiki out of Texas A&M that they're hoping takes a big step forward this coming fall. But there's no doubt that the Packers could use some help along the defensive line. Someone who could really step in and take some pressure off of guys like Kenny Clark up front. And while this draft class isn't necessarily loaded at defensive tackle, uh, there is plenty of talent that could bolster this roster. So I'm excited to get into this today. And Andrew and Maggie, Maggie have done a lot of extensive work on the defensive linemen in this class. So uh, let's go ahead and start um, at the beginning of this draft class in the first round. Uh, Andrew, Auburn's Derek Brown and South Carolina's Javon Kinlaw are kind of the assumed first-round guys, I think, in this class. Most people expect them to be gone uh, by the middle of that first round. But how do you like these uh, big two names that everybody seems to be talking about? Yeah, it's interesting. When when you talk about defensive line prospects, the further along in the draft you get, more, the more likely they are to be really sort of singly focused, right? Like you have the guys that just eat up blocks like crazy, and, and you have guys that are um, what I would consider gap penetrators. So they're guys that are going to get past those blockers. But early in the draft, you would expect that if you're going to take an interior defensive lineman, that they're going to be able to do both. And the two guys that I'm talking about are not an exception to that rule whatsoever. So you have Derek Brown of Auburn, who has a really intriguing blend of size and power. I think he can be a dominant force in the run game. He excels at uh, taking on double teams, holding his point of attack. His first step is going to blow a lot of interior offense alignment out of their initial pat set, pass set. Uh, he plays super hard. He has what the scouts call heavy hands. Uh, he moves incredibly well for his size. Like, there, there's a play. And, man, I really wish I would have jotted this down because I've referenced this before. I forget what game it was. Uh, it was either Bama or LSU, but you, you see number five from Auburn flash and he scoops up a fumble and he, then he starts outrunning skill players and you're like, oh, it's number five. This must be a linebacker, right? Because I was watching one of the quarterbacks, either, either Burrow or Tua, um, and I'm like, who is this guy? Because I hadn't gotten to Brown yet and he's outrunning guys for like 50 yards and then you figure out that it's Derek Brown, you know, like the interior defensive lineman. Um, for me, he's defense alignment one. He actually has my fourth overall uh, grade of any player in this draft class uh, based just on film. He's my 13th overall player um, with the Packers preferences, but that's largely due to his positional value, which isn't super high. Um, and then he had a 6.09 RAS score, but he's going to be gone well before pick 30. Uh, whatever team gets him is going to get an absolute force and an anchor because he is the rear defensive lineman who can do what I said, um, but he's also going to be able to play both the run and the pass early in his career. Uh, and then the other guy you talk about is Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. He is a penetrator at his core. Um, so he's a little bit better at getting around and through guys than he is at holding up the point of attack. Uh, that's because he has a fantastic first step. He has uh, really great power in his hands. He's going to disrupt blockers, period. Uh, fluid athlete. I love the effort that he, he has. He suffers from some of the same issues that a lot of the one-gap penetrators do. He gets up field at all costs, and that makes you a little bit vulnerable to getting caught on some traps, some misdirection. He certainly can uh, struggle to handle double teams 
because he needs to get better with his hand technique. So uh, many people have Kinlaw projected to go somewhere between pick, let's say, eight and and like the early 20s. Um, I'm a little bit lower on him. Uh, he's my defensive lineman three and my 30th overall prospect based on the Packers preferences. Uh, there's certainly a chance he could be available at pick 30. We never totally know those things. Um, based on team needs, he would be a, a good target for Goot. But um, if you're talking about a guy that's you know going to hold up against the run against the San Francisco 49ers, uh, Kinlaw may not be that guy from day one. He might be a little bit more of a force in the pass rush with the Smiths and Kenny Clark. Yeah, I've seen a lot of Packer fans, especially, that are hoping that someone like Kinlaw would fall through the 20s down to pick 30. And I think that you couldn't go wrong with that pick. Um, But we're going to get into a player here in just a second that I believe all three of us actually might like a little bit more than Kinlaw. I don't know about Maggie, but I know how much she likes him. I'm talking (laughs) about Ross Blacklock, of course. And um, Blacklock has kind of been your brand this spring, Maggie. Um, I'm pretty sure last week you said that you have a post-it note with Ross Blacklock, no matter what, (laughs) written on it in your house. Uh, We know that you love this defensive tackle from TCU. We also know that the Packers did meet with Blacklock at the Combine, and he posted pretty good uh, RAS score as well. So we know that the Packers love that. So that's, you know, even better for the cases of maybe this happening. Um, So there are a lot of interesting defensive tackles in this class. But what makes Blacklock so special for you? Because you're obviously infatuated at this point. So I do have the post-it. That is true. And I've never had a player considered my brand before. So this is probably going to completely blow up (laughs) in my face. Um, But no, every year uh, people proclaim their draft pick preferences on post-it notes. So I wanted to be a part of that fun this year. Uh, But to me, what I like about Blacklock is the talent that he already possesses in addition to some of that untapped potential um, that Andrew talked about. Uh, The way he wins in the run game is encouraging. Pro football, I think, honestly describes him the best when he they say that Blacklock has the get-off, but none of the polish. Um, so to me, that that's kind of what I see when I watch him play. He has so many flashes that are what have me so high on him in the way that I think he can develop. He's got raw athleticism. He's one of the more powerful and versatile guys in this class at the defensive line position. Um, he's going to need some time to develop opposite a guy like Kenny Clark. He hasn't had a ton of like pure pass rushing snaps. He doesn't have a lot of moves in his repertoire as a pass rusher. Um, But he does have the ability to kind of maintain and eat gaps. He's only 21, which is a plus for him. And he posted, like you said, a really high RAS of 7.89. He had elite speed. So to me, he's just a player that has a lot of really high upside. Yeah, absolutely. And you know that the Packers are going to love what you just said, that age and that RAS score are just, you know, going to be things that they fall in love with um, for sure. Blacklock has cracked the first round in some mock drafts that I've seen recently, and that's increasing, I think, as we get closer and closer to the draft. Uh, But the defensive tackles that we're about to get into here and talk a little bit more about are mostly considered day two prospects, I would say. And Auburn's Marlon Davidson um, is one of the guys that we've got on cue here, and he played next to Derek Brown, who we talked about. So a lot of people are kind of They're all over the map on their evaluations of Davidson with questions about how playing next to someone like Derek Brown, obviously an elite talent, would have helped Davidson. So, Andrew, how do you feel about Marlon Davidson? 
Yeah, I mean, I that that's always going to be the case in in college. You know, you have to sort of temper um, your expectations based on how much talent was around them, and and really try to identify what they do in their individual matchups, um, and not necessarily how much attention is focused on each individual player. But uh, you know, Marlon Davidson has a lot of versatility for a guy his size. Scouts. I, I think are going to identify him as having heavy hands, which is totally true. You see that punch and, and the impact and, and sort of the jolt that it has on opposing offensive linemen. He will move guys around. I like his ability as a player who is going to be effective against the run, but he has enough power and, and counter moves to grab attention in the pass game. Um, so he's not going to be super effective early as a, a pure pass rusher, but I think he can really affect the run game. I didn't, I didn't see somebody that's like super twitchy, so he's going to have to rely on on that uh, really incredible strengths to get there. Uh, he's my defense alignment seven. He's my 42nd overall player. He's only 21 years old, which certainly makes him attractive. Um, he might end up being one of those players that falls into sort of that in-between area where, um, you know, he, he gets drafted somewhere between the pick 30 in the Packers second rounder. Um, so I don't know if he's in play or not. I, I think 30 would be a little bit rich for a guy with Davidson skill set, but definitely uh, would be able to have an impact against some of the, um, you know, struggles the Packers had in the run game this past season. Yeah. A lot of these guys are kind of in that range of maybe a little bit early to take them at 30, but in almost all the mock drafts you see, they're going before the Packers pick in the second round. So it'll be interesting to see where the Packers value them. And, you know, obviously everybody slides a little bit when it comes to draft day. But another another guy that we see popping up in the second round conversation is Raekwon Davis out of Alabama. Uh, super interesting prospect because he was one of the most sought after recruits coming out of high school. And then he flashed early in his career at Alabama and then just has kind of been a steady player, but hasn't really developed maybe into that first round kind of prospect that many assume that he would over time. Maggie, I want to kick this one to you. How would you feel about the Packers going ahead and kicking the tires on someone like Raekwon Davis, uh, say, in the second round there? First of all, he's just an absolute monster of a human being at 6'7". I mean, if you go back and you watch his highlights, he is such a dominating force. And because of that size, he's you know he's got that elite length and reach. He's an explosive athlete for being as large as he is. And I know Packer fans wouldn't love the idea of passing on a wide receiver with the first two picks of the draft, but shoring up that defense with maybe an inside linebacker, somebody like Davis in the second round as your defensive lineman, it's an enticing opportunity to think about what an improvement the defense could take with just a couple key pieces to add to that starting rotation. So to me, Davis kind of has that ability to completely collapse the pocket and get after the quarterback. And if you put that with a guy like Kenny Clark, both of the Smith bros, that's a desirable addition to your front seven. He's not going to be your every down run stuffer that, you know, we talk about maybe needing next to somebody like Kenny Clark. But if he can generate a pass rush opposite Kenny Clark and then they pick up even a more traditional nose tackle in the later rounds, I know we're talking about some of those guys later on. I would absolutely be totally on board with Davis in a second. I love what you said about, you know, it may not be super exciting uh, to go, you know, linebacker, defensive lineman in those first couple picks. But really, the reality is Brian Gutekunst has done an awesome job of putting the Packers in a position to really go ahead and do whatever they need to do in this in this draft to take the best players available and get better somewhere. So, I mean, we could be surprised and be looking at one of these guys on draft day if that is what presents itself as 
the best player available, regardless of the round. Um, the Packers took advantage of a player that they really liked last year uh, in the draft, and that was Kingsley Kiki out of Texas A&M. And I could think that they could go back to the well here at Texas A&M because um, Justin Matabuke is another player uh, that many have slotted to go somewhere maybe in that second, beginning of the third round kind of range. Andrew, where do you think uh, Matabuke goes and where did he grade out for you when you did your process? Yeah, I think his name is pronounced Matabuke. Thank um, you. But I like Matabuke <laughs> better, and that's the way I've been saying it, so that's almost certainly why you think it's pronounced that way, because I pronounce guys the way I think I want them to sound um, instead of how they actually are. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a really interesting prospect. He he has explosiveness. Uh, he can move linemen uh, with his powerful hands. I feel like... Uh, somebody who's playing uh, draft lingo bingo uh, is getting really angry because I keep saying like heavy hands, explosive hands over and over and over, and they're not really getting to check anything new off. But um, he's he's more on that gap penetrator side of the coin um, than somebody who's really going to hold up blockers. The thing that drives me nuts is he's super inconsistent. Um, I think everybody we've talked about so far um, has been pretty consistent. Their motor always runs hot. Not really sure about Matabuike's uh, effort. And, and his technique seems to decline when he's not playing super hard. So um, I have him as my 35th overall player in the adjusted ratings because he does have an, a really intriguing blend of um, you know athleticism and power. He's 22 years old. It also helps that he has a 9.18 RAS score. So uh, this dude's unique. Uh, he might be appealing to Goot, but I think they need a guy who can hold up against blockers in the run game rather than trying to run around and through them. So would you be on board if they took him at pick 30? I know he's right there with your rankings. Um, I don't always see him that high, but some other people uh, in the draft world that I was listening to earlier were talking about how he was really you know, pushing their top 30 players. So is that somewhere you would be comfortable taking someone like Matabuke? Or how would you say? <laughs> <laughs> then, well, whatever. We, we, we got it covered. Um, yes and no. Uh, as like a purely value standpoint, absolutely. And if the Packers are comfortable taking a guy, um, you know, effort is a weird thing to try to analyze. And I, I feel a little guilty even using that because it's, it's really tough to tell. Um, and, and that might be more of a stereotype than it actually is truth. We don't always know what guys are asked to do in their defensive scheme either. Um, so sometimes they're asked to just hold up blocks and, and do other things. I think I have been emotionally scarred by Packer players who have had questionable motors in the past. And I'm thinking more along the lines of like the late nineties, early two thousands where <laughs> they really <laughs> swung and miss for for the fences at, at quite a few prospects. And so I would be okay with it, but um, that's me trusting Brian Gutekunst more than it is me being super comfortable with him as a first round pick. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to players that I can maybe pronounce a little bit better than our <laughs> previous one. And, but we'll keep talking about some more developmental kind of prospects here with a little bit of room to grow. I think um, Another name that you see in the second round kind of area is Neville Gallimore of Oklahoma. And so, Maggie, what do you think of Neville and see someone that you'd be interested in, um, say, in that second round? So if Neville Gallimore is too tricky to pronounce, he also goes by the Canadian Bulldozer, which nice. is it's one of the most perfect nicknames ever. I love it. 
Um, but when I put on some of his like highlights and his tape, to me, he was one of the most fun prospects to watch. I think he's really versatile, and I think that he can play in a number of different spots along the line, both either you know lining up as a tackle or as a defensive end. So the flexibility there is what makes him really nice. He he really has a, an ability to shed blocks to kind of rush the passer, but when he's asked to fill gaps and take away those running lanes, he's able to do that as well. He's already 23, which might be a, a minor knock against him. He posted a pretty decent RAS at a 7.12. Um, but he does have great explosion and elite speed, which is something that we know that Brian Gutekunst is looking for. And I do love me some Ross Blacklock, but uh, I don't think that I would be very disappointed if Gallimore was that selection instead. All right. So uh, let's keep moving a little bit further down into this process. And as we get into rounds three and four, some names that stick out are LSU defensive tackle Rashad Lawrence, uh, Devon Hamilton, or Ohio State. Uh, let's see, from Ohio State, Devon Hamilton there. And then Jordan Elliott from Missouri is another name you see in that range. Uh, we're getting into some role players here or developmental upside kind of guys, I think, at this point. Um, anything you guys like or dislike in this group? Yeah, I'm going to tackle Richard Lawrence out of LSU. He has really good technique. Um, he has the ability to get linemen off balance. Uh, good pass rush effort. Uh, nice moves, too. Those those seem to have been developed. He does a pretty good job of holding his blockers so linebackers can make a play. He's just often, like, too slow to figure out what is going on. The You know, again, back to draft bingo. If you want to say he's a slow processor, um, that would be an appropriate term, but I, I feel like he kind of stands up to look at what is going on. And by the time he figures it out, it's already take, he he's already taken out of the place. So, you know, he was really highly thought of coming out or coming into this season. And I thought I would like him a lot more than I actually did on tape, but here's the flip side. 21 years old, still kind of figuring things out. There's a lot to work with. By all accounts, the LSU staff just raves about him as a person, as a player in the locker room. Um, on the flip side, 5.4 RAS score. So we're getting a little bit out of Goot's preferences here. For me, his film grade was tied to defensive lineman 11. So I would take him in probably like the fifth round, maybe the late fourth would, would be appropriate. Um, I kind of doubt he's going to be available near that point in the draft. Um, so I would hold firm that that's the place where I'd be comfortable drafting him. Um, but if he gets there, he's a really intriguing guy. I would like to talk about Devon Hamilton out of Ohio State University. To me, he is so impressive to watch. And it feels like cheating to say that. And I don't know if it's just because I really enjoy watching the defensive linemen in general. Um, so I will always kind of eyeball the good first. Um, but he's Almost 32% of his career tackles in college went for a loss, which is fantastic. He can eat up space. He's really good at taking on double teams. He posted a 7.21 RAS, and he put up 33 reps on the bench press, which is just an incredible number. To me, he's more solid as a run defender already, kind of coming out. That's what you would expect him to do. He would need to develop into being an all-around pass rusher. But the way that he can dominate offensive linemen as a one technique and shed those blocks to get after the quarterback or to eat up that running lane, to me, is kind of where what you're looking at from him initially is the ability to develop as a pass rusher. But the way that he can hold his ground is what makes him impressive. 
Yeah, and um, I wanted to talk about Jordan Elliott from Missouri that you mentioned. Um, everything that I loved about Devon Hamilton that Maggie just <laughs> talked about, I don't like about Jordan Elliott. And that's not to mean he he won't be a good player in the NFL, um, but I, I have a drastically different opinion of Elliott than probably most people do um, through their evaluation. For me, he really lacked length. He... Um, you know, he's best against the run when he can hold his point of attack and then force the offensive lineman into the gap. But really against, you know, like as a pass rusher, period, there wasn't much that I liked out of his tape at all. Um, I have him as defensive lineman 16, 172 overall. For me, he's just a run stuffer um, and kind of a limited run stuffer at that. So I, I know I'm lower than him um, than most people. I just don't see the upside that that a lot of other folks are coming away with. Yeah, I completely agree. I expected, like you said, Elliot to be a player that I really liked. And when I got to his film, I haven't done the deep dive that Andrew has on Elliot. Uh, but again, I came away disappointed. I wanted him to be that guy that I was excited to take in the fourth round. And I just didn't see it. So a bummer there on what I thought I was going to get out of Elliot. Um, Maggie, it was reported this week that Utah defensive tackle Leaky Fotu had a pre-draft Zoom meeting with the Packers. Um, what do you know about Fotu, and is he a player that you could get excited about um, with the Packers? Yeah, he really is, to me, one of those underrated guys that I would love to see the Packers look at on day three. To me, more true nose tackles in this year's draft class. He's 6'5", 335 pounds. He's perfect for an odd front 3-4 defense, which we know that Mike Patton does operate out of quite a bit. And to me, he's not going to be your every down player for the Packers, um, but he really does offer some of that true run stuffing ability, which is much needed as a compliment to Kenny Clark. Um, with Utah, Fotu tallied 82 tackles, 17 for a loss, four sacks, and then three forced fumbles. So not going to be an every down player for you. Plenty of room to develop, but I think largely as just a pure run stuffer initially, he would be an interesting option for the Packers on day three. Yeah, I looked up some interviews uh, with Fotu today and just to kind of get a feel for him because he was a player that I hadn't done a lot of work on um, up to this point. And the dude is a ton of fun, great personality. Uh, you can just tell he would be a great energy guy in the locker room and I think would fit in really well there. So someone uh, just from a personality standpoint that I got excited about uh, seeing a little bit of his um, interview there today. Uh, we are now at the bottom of the barrel, guys, but we're draft nerds, so that means that there are still lots of guys left to roll the dice on. Uh, so who's a day three defensive tackle that you hope Green Bay might take a chance on? Yeah, I think Maggie kind of hit a home run in the last section, right? Let's just get Devon Hamilton and Fotu in the mid-rounds <laughs> and then, like, fix the running problem. Yeah, that sounds right? good. There you go. Take that, San Francisco. Um, <laughs> if, if we're talking about guys that I'm pretty sure are going to be available on day three, uh, I'm a big fan of McTelvin Ajim from Arkansas. I talked about him last week a little bit. A lot of bursts as a pass rusher. He has the size to develop into a little bit better run defender. Uh, 22 years old, 8.54 Raz. Uh, you're going to see a theme with the three guys that I picked <laughs> for sure. Uh, Khalil Davis of Nebraska. He, he lacks a little bit of length and technique he's going to have to win really quick to be successful um, but he could be more of that situational pass rusher rather than a guy holding up against the run uh, 9.8 Raz him and his twin brother Carlos ran incredible 40s at, at uh, the <laughs> combine so uh, dudes are athletic 
and finally, I really like James Lynch out of Baylor. He's 22 with an 8.5 Raz. Uh, he has good strength, pass rush moves, plays with great effort. His his lack of length will be a problem all around. But um, again, if you're looking for more of that like twitchy situ- situational pass rusher, James Lynch is is fun. Um, the problem with James Lynch is Baylor loved him, so I have a feeling the Carolina Panthers are probably going to overdraft him. <laughs> right, the whole Matt Rule connection. It's, that makes a lot of sense. Maggie, are there any day three guys that you uh, hope the Packers take a look at? Yeah, I'm going to start with another Baylor prospect. Bravion Roy, to me, was a name that kind of popped up as a late day three guy. If we're talking about the Packers still needing a run-stuffing nose tackle, Roy is, again, one of the more true nose tackles in this class. He's over 330 pounds. He's a monster in the middle. With his senior season at Baylor, it was absolutely his best. 61 tackles, 13 for a loss, five and a half sacks, forced to fumble. He's a late rounder for a reason, but as a a developmental guy, I think that he would check all the boxes for the Packers, especially playing that position of need, being a true run stuffer. The other guy that I wanted to talk about just a little bit was Jason Strobridge. Um, To me, he would be another one of those players that could intrigue the Packers. He completely blew away the combine with a 9.4 RAS, and he doesn't necessarily have the same bulk and weight that Roy has, but he does have the tenacity and quickness that would make him an intriguing complement opposite a guy like Kenny Clark. He's very raw in his development, but he did post 22 tackles for a loss and 10.5 sacks during his time with North Carolina. To me, he has the versatility to play five technique, which would also make him a fun chess piece for Mike Patton's defense. Yeah, lots and lots of players. Guys, we've made it through a lot of these prospects, a lot of uh, RAS scores because we know that matters. Uh, I'm glad we included the ages of all these players because we know all those things matter as well. Um, This has been fun. We are officially two weeks away from draft weekend it'll be here before we know it and we'll find out if any of these defensive linemen will be headed to the green bay packers thanks guys for helping us take a deep dive tonight yeah and that is all the time we have for tonight today whatever <laughs> uh this is about the packing podcast you can find kyle on twitter at packer underscore pundit maggie is at maggie j loney and also check out packs what she said and her work on She Said TV. Uh, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can get to Kyle, Maggie, and myself every Friday leading up to the draft. And next week, we're going to be back with more draft coverage. Potentially a big guest next week. Um, but more on that as the week <laughs> transpires. Uh, and then in two weeks, we are going to be staying up real late to break down the first round of the NFL draft. It is almost here. But thanks for listening. And as always, remember.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.